time for the best coverage of the top stories in sports. The Sports Wrap with Jason Page starts now. Yes, it does. Thank you, Chad Erickson. Good to have you all with us on this Monday edition of the show. Feeling that post-Super Bowl hangover? (laughs) It went late into the night for those of you on the East Coast. It went late into the night, it felt like, for us on the West Coast. Thought I'd be, you know, done by 7 o'clock, go do a late dinner. Couldn't do it. Not last night. One of the longest football games ever. Uh, let's break it down as the Chiefs, obviously, uh, with back-to-back championships, 25-22 over the 49ers. And say hello to our good friend. Ah, oh, the great Russell Baxter is hanging out with us. ProFootballGuru.com, fan-sided. Um, he is really my go-to NFL historian that I love to talk to on the show. And Russell, that's where I want to start, sort of in your bailiwick. From a historical perspective, what are we seeing right now with the Kansas City Chiefs? Well, we're seeing uh, an evolving dynasty after a long dynasty. And, uh, you know, it's somewhat reminiscent. You know, it seems like we always had, Jason, a team of a decade. You know, uh, in the 50s, it was actually the Lions and the Browns. They both won three championships. In the 60s, is unequivocally um, the uh, the Packers. The 70s were the Steelers. The 80s, pretty much the 49ers. You know, those were a little spread out, um, you know, back-to-back uh, in 88 and 89. The Cowboys won three and four years. And then the Patriots kind of redefined things by going on a – San Francisco had a long run from 81 to 98, but the, it weren't ne- nearly as successful as the Patriots were getting to the Super Bowl and, of course, winning the Super Bowls and so on. And now, you know, you have to look at this run as more Andy Reid than Patrick Mahomes, and that's not a knock on Patrick Mahomes, but let's keep in mind something here. Andy Reid got there in 2013, uh, made the playoffs. Alex Smith, 2014, they missed the playoffs. Now they have made the playoffs nine years in a row. Some of that is Alex Smith, but obviously the Super Bowls and the Super Bowl successes with Patrick Mahomes. Um, now Travis Kelsey has been part of all of that. He was a, a first, he was a uh, rookie in the Andy Reid's rookie season in Kansas City. Played one game and got hurt. Okay, uh, and now his obviously his career has taken off. So dynasties are a little different now because of free agency. You know. And uh, rosters moving around. You didn't have that so much with the, uh, with the Steelers, who had twenty-something guys who played on all four Super Bowl teams in the seventies. Uh, the Forty Niners were a little more spread out. Jason, I think five Forty Niners won those four Super Bowls. Obviously, the big names were Montana, <clears throat> you know, Ronnie Lott, and so on. So it's a different era, but dominance is dominance, and you know they're the first team to repeat in nearly twenty years since the Patriots did it in 03 and 04. And once again, um, sorry to say this, it's at the expense of Kyle Shanahan. Isn't it kind of tricky, though, to get into the conversation of, you know, it's the Reed um, dynasty, more of the Reed dynasty versus the Mahomes dynasty? Because one could make the argument, Reed does, yes, Reed got to Super Bowls and got deep into the playoffs many times, but he didn't get over the hump until he had a Mahomes-type player. Isn't it? And look, we went through this with, with Brady and Belichick forever until they split ways and we saw Tom go win one in Tampa Bay while Belichick has kind of been left out in the cold, literally and figuratively up in New England. Isn't it tricky to try and, and dissect, 
you know, which is who who it belongs to more. Right. Well, it, listen, it belongs to the organization. I point that out only because, you know, if you're going to talk dynasty, this dynasty didn't start in 2018. Okay. Nine straight playoff appearances. It's tied for the second most in NFL history. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you have to, just like you put the Cowboys winning three and four years and then continued to make the playoffs steadily in the 90s, but they didn't have the titles. It's kind of reversed here, okay? Andy Reid changed the ways of that program. I mean, Andy Reid's never had a losing season in Kansas City. He's won at least 10 games every year there except 2014. So I think it's important to to point out that he has he came from Philadelphia where he was successful, limited four straight NFC championship games, finally got to a Super Bowl, then got back to the NFC championship game and they lost it at Arizona. So, you know, uh, to me, there's no such thing as a one man dynasty and a two man dynasty and so on, you know, unless you're, you know, unless you're talking John Forsythe and uh, Joan Collins. Now, that was a different kind of dynasty. Um, but you, you understand my point. In other words, Andy Reid, who has moved up the coaching ranks in terms of all-time wins and so on, and second now all-time postseason wins, and a lot of that is due to Patrick Mahomes. Don't, don't get me wrong. But a lot of it this season also has to be attributed to a defense that was second in the league in total yards allowed and second in the league in points allowed. And that's why that defense, that game was a little bit of a struggle uh, for the, at least the first half and maybe three quarters. We had the two teams that had given up the second and third fewest points in the league this year. Um, where does Kyle Shanahan stand in all of this? I mean, you mentioned the two losses taking place sort of under under his watch against the Chiefs here. We know what happened when he was with Atlanta as the offensive coordinator and the debacle there and the, and the huge blown lead. I mean, again, from a historical context, where does this leave Kyle Shanahan? Well, let me point this out first. Um, and I've, I've done this a couple of times today. Jason, the first 48 Super Bowls, only two teams came back from uh, double-digit deficits to win the game. That would be Joe Gibbs Redskins. I'll say Redskins, sorry. Uh, and Doug Williams, that incredible explosion in the second quarter in Super Bowl twenty-two. And then you had to wait another 22 years before Sean Payton surprised everybody with an onside kick and the Saints beat the Colts. Now, in the last 10 Super Bowls, a team has rallied from a double-digit deficit five times. And unfortunately for Kyle Shanahan, he's been on the losing end of three of those. One is an offensive coordinator and two is a head coach. Now, I will also point out the fact, and while this is I'm not a one-man gang in terms of it's all about the quarterback. Two of those rallies came from Tom Brady, and three of those rallies came from Patrick Mahomes. Says a lot. Five times in 10 years to come back in the Super Bowl from down 10 shows you, I mean, that's 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 quite a, a reversal of fortune. Russell Baxter's hanging out with us. I'm going to hold him for one more segment. Uh, we got the historical context in place. Now looking forward what it all means uh, for this Kansas City Chiefs team. We'll break it down and continue the conversation with our good friend Russell Baxter, profootballguru.com. You can find him on X by that same name. Uh, a NFL historian. He's on Fansided 2. I'm Jason Page. 
Over 13 million Americans were affected by identity theft in 2022, and the threats go way beyond just credit card fraud. Today's identity thieves can use your information in ways that are easy to miss by just monitoring accounts and credit, like opening loans, transferring home titles, even committing crimes. Someone got my social security number, made a driver's license, and it was used for criminal activity. You can do so much with a social security number that I didn't know could happen. They drained my bank account. It was terrifying. You're even more vulnerable than you realize. Your information is exposed through online shopping, banking, even corporate data breaches. No wonder there's a new victim of identity theft every three seconds. Only LifeLock alerts you to the widest volume of threats all in one place, like someone trying to use your social security number, open a new loan in your name, or even commit a crime in your name. There was a big yes button and there was a big no button. I clicked, that's not me, and LifeLock took it from there. If you become a victim of identity theft, a dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will be assigned to your case and work to fix the issue on your behalf. If something happens, you have somebody fighting for you. All LifeLock members are backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package, including reimbursement for stolen funds, personal expenses, and coverage for lawyers and experts up to $1 million. It can be dangerously easy to steal your identity. With LifeLock, it's easy to help protect yourself. I will be with LifeLock forever. Join the millions of people already protected by LifeLock. And for a limited time, save 25% on your first year with promo code 25TV. All plans include a 60-day money-back guarantee. Call 800-710-7531 or visit lifelock.com slash 25TV to save 25% on your first year of identity theft protection. Enroll now. Attention timeshare owners. This is an urgent consumer alert from the Timeshare Exit Hotline, a national company specializing in helping consumers legally get out of their expensive timeshare contracts. We're offering you a way to legally get rid of your timeshare. So if you're fed up with the maintenance fees that keep on coming and want to learn if you can terminate your timeshare legally and permanently, call today. Call the number on your screen today. It's a free call. We roll along on this Monday edition of the show, recapping a Super Bowl win for the Chiefs, their third in four years. They'll have a chance to go for the three-peat next season. I'm breaking it down with Russell Baxter of ProFootballGuru.com. Also, you can check out his work on Fansided, NFL Historian, one of my go-to guys, whenever we really try to gain perspective or, or put things in context from a historical perspective. Um Russell, let's talk about what, and it's always fun to project these things and talk about it, and what else do we have to do now that the season's over, but to sit here and wonder what a third straight Super Bowl, where it would put this team from a historical context. I'm sure you've thought about it. I mean, where does it? I mean, especially the way they've gone about it, because it feels like, really, if you look at all four Super Bowls, if they were to win one next year, it feels like they've gone about it different ways every time. There's not one cookie-cutter form for the way they've gone about it. Yeah, it's Patriot-like in the, in the sense that the Patriots team were all different. In 2001, when they won it, their offense scored three touchdowns in three playoff games. And their defense and special teams scored three touchdowns in three playoff games. And one of their offensive touchdowns, Jason, was Drew Bledsoe throwing a touchdown pass ah. because Brady got hurt in the AFC title game. That's right. 
at Pittsburgh. And then later on, they became more offensive oriented when Brady became more comfortable with the offense, even though some of their best seasons offensively did not result in Super Bowl appearances because the defense, but it's, it, listen, this league is about balance. Kansas City is very balanced because now they have the defense to go along with the offense, even though the offense was far from prolific this year. I mean, I go back. This was, you could argue, look, Russell, you could argue this was their worst of the three Super Bowl teams. Listen, how low of of a point did the Chiefs hit on Christmas at home against the Raiders? Mm -hmm. I mean, that was a miserable effort. There's no doubt about that. And yet when they had to, um, they vanquished and took care of business in the playoffs. Um, give credit where credit's due. They were they were the number three seed. They weren't even one or two and had to go away from home um, to do their business in terms of at Buffalo and at Baltimore and so on. So um, I give them a lot of credit because great teams find ways to win, sometimes when they don't even play so great. And uh, last night, Slowly but surely, offensively, they got their act together. And, and you would have never guessed it, but by the end of the game, Jason, they had 455 yards of total offense. Now, I know that includes overtime, yep. but that's what happened. But um, they overcame some early mistakes. San Francisco overcame some early mistakes. And uh, lo and behold, we had a three-point Super Bowl for the third straight year. Is the common denominator, though, to go back to Kyle Shanahan for a second, Mm-hmm. Is he the common denominator in because look, everybody will tell you the 49ers had the superior roster from player one to the last guy on the roster. Yeah. They had a a, a, a guy that by all accounts is a very good to great quarterback. You've got Christian McCaffrey, Debo Sam, all these different, all these different guys. And you and you can't get across the finish line. If not with this group of players and head coach combo, then what group with this with this team is getting across the finish line? You know, sometimes it, it, it's a matter of timing. Uh, in the era you play in, um, just bad luck and so on. I go back to, in fact, my first Super Bowl I ever watched was Super Bowl Four, which was Kansas City and Minnesota. Um, yes, I'm old Typhon Irv. Uh, but you, you remember those Vikings team. Bud Grant is in the Hall of Fame. Fran Tarkenton's in the Hall of Fame. Joe Cap is not. He was the quarterback in the first one. Alan Page, Carl Eller, Paul Krause. Um, superlative teams. But during that run, they ran into the winningest team in AFL history in the Chiefs. Uh, they ran into the Miami Dolphins a year after they were perfect and they were a better team in 73 and 72, they happened to have the misfortune of kicking off the Steelers dynasty, which was four Super Bowls in six years. And then they got pummeled by a Raiders team that couldn't get past Miami and Pittsburgh. So they lost to four great teams during that span. They haven't back to the Super Bowl since, by the way. So right now, here is a San Francisco team that has been in four of the last five NFC title games, two of the last five Super Bowls, and they keep on running into this. So it, it kind of reminds me a little bit of, even though the Cowboys won one in 77, Pittsburgh and Dallas, where Pittsburgh just kept on frustrating the Cowboys uh, and beat them in two Super Bowls in 75 and, and 78. Sometimes it's just 
you know, we're a great team and they're, they're a smidge better. It's like in the cross sports, you know, to, to go over, it's like teams that played in the Jordan era. Right. You know, I mean, if you play, yes. there were so many Hall of Fame players that got shut yes. out from winning titles in the Jordan era just because they were in the Jordan era. Right. And, and, and the thing is, when you look at the Niners in these games, in the Super Bowl, uh, they were leading, they were competitive. Uh, you know, there was, the, you know, obviously they were up by 10 in the fourth quarter of Super Bowl uh, 54, and then they kind of got away from them and so on. But, I mean, this was a Super Bowl where both teams turned over the ball twice. Both teams had some success in the ground. I will say this, though, and Patrick Mahomes had more than half of the Chiefs' 130 yards rushing. It's amazing. Um, the Niners, down the stretch, their run defense became abysmal. And it was funny because it all kind of started on an afternoon against the Cardinals when they gave up 234 yards rushing in a game they handily won. But the Cardinals kept on hitting them and going after them. And then, I, you know, you saw they had to rally from behind to beat the Packers in the playoffs because Aaron Jones had big numbers. They had to rally from behind to beat the Lions because David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs had big numbers. Their run defense really abandoned them. Um, late in the season, I can't put a finger on it. Fred Warner was still out there. Nick Boza was still out there. Um, there's obviously some people say, and sometimes you know this, run defense and run defense rankings are dictated by how many times a team doesn't run against mm-hmm. you. Okay? And I think teams decide, you know what? There's something we see here. Let's shorten this game and so on. Now, I will say this. To his credit, Brock Purdy rallied the team against Green Bay, rallied the team against Detroit, and by all means rallied the team yesterday as well. But their defense inevitably proved to be their undoing, Jason. It certainly did. Uh, Russell Baxter, you've been a gift all season long. I really appreciate it. Take some time off, my man. We'll talk soon. Free agency starts March 13th. (laughs) (laughs) Appreciate it, my friend. Russell Baxter hanging out with us. We're coming back. Thanks for hanging out with us on this Monday edition of the show. And thank you to Russell Baxter of ProFootballGuru.com. You can check out his stuff on Fansided. Also, uh, really one of the better NFL historians. And good to get some context with him as to where we are coming out of this Super Bowl from a historical perspective. Sam Yarnell, ladies and gentlemen. Look at that. There he is. Hanging out with us on the program today to... To give us thoughts on, on the game. Just glad. I'm just glad you're alive. I didn't hear from you Friday morning. I'm like, he's dead. I was like, he's died. It's the last text I get from him is two thirty in the morning. I'm like, he's dead. It's over. That's it. Jason was ready. Jason was ready for a blocked number to call him from the middle of nowhere in Mexico mm-hmm. with a ten thousand dollar reward yep. because I had just hit too hard at the blackjack tables <laughs> one night. Um, I'm glad you're alive. Um, and Me glad too. you made glad you made it back east safely after uh, an entire like nine days in Las Vegas, which is entirely too long for any human to be spending uh, in Las Vegas. Um, I talked about the historical context and, and got into the whole Kansas City thing with, with Russell. I want to talk about where the nine. 
because I think the the conversation about where we go from here with San Francisco is fascinating. Because as I asked Russell Russell Baxter, and I'll, I'll pose it to you or posit this question to you, if not with this roster and this group and this quarterback for whatever you think of him, where are you getting across the finish line? And if the and if, and if you can't. Where do the changes come to a roster that everybody thought was the best in football? So uh, I got to lead with this, Jason, because I know that the LLs and LWs, the loyal listeners and loyal watchers are, are just itching for me to say this. Got to put my hand up. I was wrong. I was incorrect. Hand up. Uh, accountability. The Prince of Picks got this terribly wrong. I can remember two times uh, throughout the season, throughout our contender pretender segment, where I explicitly said that the Kansas City Chiefs were not good enough to repeat as Super Bowl champions. Mm-hmm. I was incorrect. They were. They did. San Francisco. So, a couple of things. Their roster is great, and this is what we talked about all season, except for at the most important position, where they are mediocre at best. I think that was on display last night. Uh, you had, quite frankly, Brock Purdy makes that one throw to no, Debo Samuel when he's on. wide open. I'm no, just saying, that, that's Brock. one example. There's another, you know, there's a 15-yard out where George Kittle's wide open and he overthrows him by another five yards on third and six, uh, I believe, in the third quarter. Uh, at the end of the day, you're not going to win a Super Bowl with a quarterback being paid as quarterback 64, I believe Brock Purdy is paid as, you're going to win a Super Bowl when you're paying the quarterback who is quarterback one. That's Patrick Mahomes. He's the highest paid quarterback in the league. The guys who get paid the most earn it and deserve it and prove it. The guys who don't, don't last long. We'll see where they go in terms of San Francisco because when you've got a quarterback on a rookie deal who can show that they can have mild success in the playoffs, you don't get rid of that. You don't. You'd be a fool to. That said, you got to start to ask questions if you're San Francisco because at this point, you're getting to the same spot that you did with Jimmy G. So when do we decide that it's time for a real quarterback for what a great team that is? See, to me, I look at the common denominator not as... um not as the quarterback position. I look at it as the head coach. Sure. Uh, to me, I and look, I guess if you're if, if you can be of two different mindsets when coming out of this Super Bowl, you could scapegoat the quarterback or you could scapegoat the coach. I've now seen Kyle Shanahan blow three double-digit leads as either an offensive coordinator or as a head coach. And you could certainly point to when he was the OC in Atlanta for the play calling in that second half as a big part of the reason why Atlanta did not win that Super Bowl. I can also look at the way this game was coached, and when I hear Kyle Juszczyk come out in a press conference after the game and say, we didn't have a clue what the overtime rules were after Kyle Shanahan stood up in a press conference and said... Oh no, we had a we had a, a strategy that we were going to do, and we talked to our analytics guys, and this is what they said they should do. And then Kyle Uzcheck comes out and immediately contradicts what you just said. For all the flowery rhetoric that we love to talk about with Kyle Shanahan, I can't go there. Let alone, and and here's the thing I'll say on the 
on the Brock Purdy stuff. Chris Jones got to him whenever he wanted. That's an offensive line issue. And if you want to talk about something this team needs to address in the offseason, it's that. Because in that overtime, if he has one more second, a second and a half, he could make that throw. But he had to get rid of the football at that point because Chris Jones is basically tearing at his neck to bring him down in that spot. I can't kill Brock Purdy. I thought he, do I think he played a great game? No. Do I think he played better than Patrick Mahomes? No. I thought he played well enough to win a Super Bowl. But at the end of the day, you know, you have Kyle Shanahan making questionable decisions in terms of how to handle the overtime. Again, the analytics geeks, uh, Uncle Jason sitting on his front porch with his country time lemonade telling you get off my lawn. But again, this is where the analytics stuff gets you in trouble because I don't know what analytics would tell you. You should be taking the ball first in that spot. Put that aside for a second. I don't think this is a. I don't think this is necessarily yet a situation where we come out of this game, Sam, saying Brock Purdy's the reason you can't win a Super Bowl. I, I'm not ready to say that yet. I'm not saying that may not be the case. I'd like to see this team for another year with a comparable roster. I think the Greenlaw injury was huge in the first half. Um, I'd like to see one more year with Brock Purdy before I can definitively say this team can't win a Super Bowl. Go ahead. you got 30 seconds. It's objectively hilarious that Kyle Shanahan has had a 10-point lead at halftime of every Super Bowl he's been in, and he's 0-3 in those games. (laughs) One of the funniest storylines maybe in NFL history. Yep. Uh, to the offensive line thing about San Francisco, I hear you. They're very middle of the road, which is crazy because they were so good last year. But at the end of the day, it's hard to say that an offensive line with Trent Williams on it, who's the greatest offensive lineman maybe in the last five years, it is not a Super Bowl quality offensive line. I know that he's just one player, but he's just one. one player at the most important mm-hmm. position on the offensive line. And I think that he does enough alone to, to give Brock Purdy the protection to give him time. Uh, never too soon to look ahead to next season. Sam and I will do that coming up because the odds to win the Super Bowl next year, they're shocking. We'll get to it next. Attention timeshare owners. This is an urgent consumer alert from the Timeshare Exit Hotline, a national company specializing in helping consumers legally get out of their expensive timeshare contracts. We're offering you a way to legally get rid of your timeshare. So if you're fed up with the maintenance fees that keep on coming and want to learn if you can terminate your timeshare legally and permanently, call today. Call the number on your screen today. It's a free call. Sports Wrap continues on this Monday following a riveting Super Bowl. The Chiefs, third in four years. Can they go for three in a row next year? Well, apparently Vegas doesn't think so. They don't have them number one when you look at the odds to win the Super Bowl next year. And that is just, you know, that is the most baffling thing, Sam Yarnell, when we, when we get back to this and do the look ahead at next year, which right after the game ends, the odds for the Super Bowl come out. And you still have San Francisco as the team with the best odds to win the Super Bowl. Um, And Kansas City is right behind them. Going back to the question we were just asking at the end of the last segment, (laughs) what's going to change that that gets San Francisco over the... I mean, let's be honest. Let's ask this question. 
if these two teams, this is an interesting question. If these two teams met five times with these rosters, I'm not saying back to back to back to back, but you know, over the course, if, if they were to meet five times with ample rest and all that, these rosters, these teams, these head coaches, how much more different is the outcome? I'm just, I, I think you know, it's three to two. I think it's three you think to it's two. that close. Yeah. You don't think it's four one? No. Because if you think, well, because here's here's why I think that that's a bit of a contradiction on your part. Because if you think Brock Purdy is just mid to good, then they're not going to win two times out of five. They're going to probably win one time out of five. I think with that defense that we've consistently talked about, right, and you look at a, a game script for a 49ers team like that to win, it's actually the first half of last night's game replicated twice. What'd they do? They ran the air out of the ball. They threw screen passes. They didn't make Brock Purdy be good. In the second half, Steve Spagnuolo and the Chiefs defense came out and they made Brock Purdy be good, and he couldn't. But as we've seen numerous times with Super Bowl champions, Matthew Stafford, you don't need the quarterback to be great to win the Super Bowl. They can win a one-off by playing okay. One-off. That's one out of five. <laughs> I'm just saying. Look, I'm, just, I'm, I'm having fun with you. I'm not trying to be you, a jerk, but you no, know. No, no. I think I think it is a good. It's a good discussion to have because at the end of the day, how it's it brings into conversation. I can see the Niners losing. I can see the Niners losing four close games. Just because the other team has number 15 and the other team doesn't. And that's not a knock on Brock Purdy. It's elevating Patrick Mahomes to a level he deserves to be disgusted. But I hear you. But I think we've got to consider the matchups at other positions, right? Like, to, at what point does Christian McCaffrey just become so much more valuable than Isaiah Pacheco? that the discrepancy between Mahomes and Purdy doesn't matter. At what point does Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk become so much more valuable than Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who had a two-touchdown game? Let me tell you the difference, and- though. Let me tell you the difference. Mahomes can elevate those guys to being better than they are. Can Bro- and, and, and we don't know this yet about Brock Purdy because he has this cast. He may not have this cast in a year or two years. And then we may find out the answer about whether he can elevate the game of those around him if they are not that talented. But we know Mahomes can't. But that's it, that's a Brock Purdy-Patrick Mahomes conversation. No one's debating Brock Purdy and Patrick Mahomes. The thing is, the players around Brock Purdy elevate Brock Purdy. That's the whole thing with him. That's been my whole thing all season. That's why people are, that's why he was MVP, whatever, uh, favorite at five to one in week 12 is because the players around him elevate him. Whereas Patrick Mahomes has the entire offense on his shoulders. So I think that two out of those five times, all 10 of those guys having one guy on all of their shoulders can overtake maybe the greatest 
having all 10 of those guys on his shoulders. Would it shock you if the if the Chiefs won four out of five, though? Not at all. Okay. Not in the slightest. Fair enough. Um, Ravens are, so it's San Francisco at plus 500, Kansas City at plus 650, the Ravens at plus 900, the Lions at 1200, the Bills at 1200, the Cowboys, God help us, are, are 1500. I just don't understand how the Cowboys, I just, I just don't get it. But the Bengals are 1500, the Eagles 1700, and then the Dolphins are at 2000. Is there, is there, is there one that, the day after the Super Bowl, if I gave you free money and said, go put it on somebody for next year's Super Bowl, if I gave you free money, who are you putting it on? If, if you gave me free money to bet an NFL future on next yes. season right and now, it has to be today. before anything yes. happens, do it today. I, would, I would just take it and light it on fire. There's no point. If you're betting NFL Kansas futures. Kansas City! I'd put it on Kansas City! If you're betting NFL futures today, you have a serious problem. We're right around the corner from baseball season. Let's get involved. Let's get some baseball <laughs> futures in the mix, Jason. Kansas City. Why are we not talking about where Blake nope. Snell's going? I will talk about the team that is dynamic. Are you okay there? You look like you're having like convulsions. I'll take I'll take Kansas City at plus six fifty. If you gave me money and said I have to put it on a future right now in the NFL, I'm putting it on Kansas City. I don't know how you are. You know what you're getting going into I'll next season. I'll find you who I'm putting mine on. I'll find you who I'm putting mine on. I, I got to fit it in here before the break. I know we're running. I need the FanDuel Sportsbook. Our friends at FanDuel, they need to load quickly here. Because we got to figure seconds. out where I'm going. Oh, the clock's ticking. Oh, we're so close here. <laughs> I might have to get it in on the other side of the break. All right. Something to consider is right around the corner. We'll give Sam a little extra time. We're coming back. Hi friends, Richard Karn here. Now I'm known as the guy who can fix just about anything, but the technology in most appliances requires very special training to fix. And that's why my family has Choice Home Warranty. Choice Home Warranty covers over 25 major home systems and appliances. That's your AC, heating, plumbing, kitchen and laundry appliances, and so much more. Imagine for less than a cup of coffee a day, Choice Home Warranty can help protect you from expensive major system and appliance breakdowns that your homeowner's insurance doesn't cover. Call Choice Home Warranty now and get access to a nationwide network of over 15,000 technicians and the latest appointment setting technology so you'll know when they're on their way. So, do what this old DIYer did and call Choice Home Warranty now before something breaks down. Get protection for your heating, AC, plumbing, kitchen and laundry appliances, and more. Call for your free quote today. Call in the next five minutes and get your first month free. 800-394-8109. That's 800-394-8109. Rolling along on this Monday edition of the show. Odds and ends coming up in about 10 minutes. But first, something to consider. With Sammy Arnell by my side today. Um, So we were talking about to end the last segment, and we'll let it bleed into this one a little bit. The idea of futures on next year's Super Bowl. And I said, if I gave you money today free money and said you could put it on one team to win the Super Bowl next year with the the odds just being released after the game last night uh who would you put it on and I said to me there's only one team you can put it on and that's the team that you know is coming back after winning back-to-back Super Bowls 
much of the roster in place. They're going to get better offensively. There's no way they're going in to next year with that roster on the offensive side of the ball. It has to be Kansas City plus 650. You said, no, 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 no. You had something you thought was so much better. So go well, ahead. So, so here's the thing with that, right? The reason you don't bet any, any of the top, you know, 10 teams right now is because the only thing that is going to happen from here until next Super Bowl is that number is going to get better for you as the better. Um, or I guess we could say until next playoffs, right? But think about where the Chiefs were to win the Super Bowl. December. Six weeks ago. What were they? What they were, were they after that, that loss? Price. I wonder what they were after the loss to the Raiders. They were, uh, after the loss to the Raiders, I believe they were 11-1 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. Were they that bad? Um, wow. They they had fallen back. Like It, it happens every season. So when you, you, you're giving me free money, I got to have some fun. We're going to take that free money, mm-hmm. and we're going to go down the board, all the way near the bottom. Don't worry, I'm not picking the Carolina Panthers, no. Better not. That franchise is hopeless. I'm picking a team... With a coach that's been to a Super Bowl, uh, knows what it takes to make a postseason run with a quarterback that might not necessarily have a ton of postseason experience, a team with a lot of cap space to bring in a lot of pieces between here and the draft and some really good draft position on top of that. Are you saying Wash? If you say Washington, I'm Jason. Give me the Washington Commanders at 150 Stop to one it! to win the Super Bowl in 2025. We'll you. see you in New Orleans, Washington Commanders fans. Are you, are you drinking this morning? Book it. Are you hungover? I would let me tell you something. There will come a day where I can just make it rain like Floyd Mayweather and give out free money. I am not giving it to you. I can't. You can't be trusted with free money. If I give you free money and you tell me you're going to put it on the Washington Commanders, I cannot give you free money. I can't in good conscience give you free money. Thinking about doing it right now? No, stop. You just had a nice weekend. You just had a nice nine days. You just told me you were in the in the black coming out of Vegas after nine days. Don't, don't, don't. No, no. No, the green, Jason, double zeros. Nice, nice. Fair enough. Um, what did you make? And I haven't talked about this with Russell Baxter, and I have not talked it with you about it with you up until this point. Um, Travis Kelsey losing his mind in that first half. Um, and bumping Andy Reid on the sideline. And both of them could come out of it and say, hey, you know, everything's great, kumbaya. I love the intensity. I love all this stuff. But you do kind of have to ask the question. Like, could you, could you imagine Tom Landry allowing that? Could you imagine Bill Cower Bill allowing that? Could you imagine anybody doing that to Bill Belichick? Like, Gronk. Wow. Imagine Gronk doing that to imagine Aaron Hernandez doing that to Bill Belichick just, back in the day. I was flabbergasted when I saw it. 
And the way everybody kind of just sloughed it off, I saw people putting stuff online today about roid rage. Stupid. I mean, I get it. Travis Kelsey's an intense guy, but you can't run over your head coach on the sideline prior to halftime. I mean, if they lose that, could you imagine if they had lost that game? If that third down turns into a touchdown in overtime for for San Francisco instead of a instead of a field goal, do you imagine what we'd be talking about today with Travis Kelsey and Andy Reid? I think it's a little so that's that's not as far as I'm willing to go, right? I do think that regardless of how the game ended, the quotes would have been nearly the same, right? From Kelsey, he was obviously not trying to uh, indict himself for yelling that he wanted the ball because he was telling his coach the truth that he was the guy in the biggest game who needed the ball. Simple. Uh, and I don't know why Andy Reid at the beginning of the game really differentiated from mm. that or deviated from that. Yeah, it's I good. Apologize. Better yeah, it's all right. Uh, I think that Andy Reid handled it very professionally because he didn't overreact. He handled right? it a hell of very, a lot better than Kelsey did. It's it's well, I think it's under it's understandable for Kelsey at the position in the position that he's been put in by himself, by his team, by the by like everyone, literally from different angles between the Swift thing, the retirement thing. You can't run over your head coach, though. I understand that, but I think that at the same time, context, like, as it always does, matters, and understanding that pressure on him, Andy Reid understood that. His quote reflected as such. Uh, We'll see you tomorrow. Feel better, my friend. Get some rest. Sammy Arnell, ladies and gentlemen. We're back with odds and ends to wrap it up next. All right, just about time to wrap things up on this Monday edition of the show. Thanks to Sam Yarnell for hanging out with us. Russell Baxter of ProFootballGuru.com and fan-sided NFL historian. But before we say goodbye, time for some odds and ends. Uh, Golf anybody, I'll tell you, it was an entertaining if nothing else, uh, Waste Management Championship, uh, the Waste Management Phoenix Open in um, just outside Phoenix in Scottsdale, TPC Scottsdale. Uh, you got to feel for Charlie Hoffman, who loses in what turns out to be the second hole uh, of a playoff against Nick Taylor, who had the emotional win, one of the real emotional wins of last year's PGA Tour season, winning the RBC uh, Canadian Open, his national championship. Um, because he is a Canadian. Uh, but for him to to win this waste management uh, Phoenix Open, he had to come from behind with just a few holes left. I mean, I think Charlie Hoffman was up like three shots, and Nick Taylor made shots down the stretch. It wasn't like Charlie Hoffman didn't play well. This was Nick Taylor um, doing some great things down the stretch and then being able to win in the playoff. Uh, to beat Charlie Hoffman, who was trying to win for the first time in eight years at the age of 47. Um, hopefully we see Charlie Hoffman back in contention. It, it was a, it was almost like a blast back to like 2009 or 2010 
when Charlie Hoffman was a really good player for a long time. Um, the negatives of this tournament, though, the fan behavior at this year's Phoenix Open was about as bad as we've ever seen. it. And you have to wonder if this tournament looks drastically different next year than it did this year. Because you had weather issues, which prompted people to decide they were going to start doing, you know, sliding down muddy hills on their stomach. There was clearly abuse of alcohol. Um, You had fans getting into fights. And granted, this is a tiny percentage of the roughly 200,000 people that attend this event. But it still is the loudest and most vocal part. And they made a mess of it. And you had players complaining. And once you start getting into a position where players are complaining and you start having the conversation of, are players going to want to come and play in that environment and in that atmosphere, you've got a problem if you're the PGA Tour. Uh, As much as we all love the movie Happy Gilmore, tournaments on the PGA Tour can't turn into Happy Gilmore. Just saying. Uh, Hats off to Caitlin Clark. I mean, look, she's the, the most prolific scorer in women's college basketball history. Uh, she has done some amazing things. At the same time, if we're going to say hats off to Caitlin Clark for breaking that record and doing what she did, uh, or she's just short, she's five points short um, of trying to break this record. She had, I believe, 31 in what turned out to be a loss against Nebraska. She was held scoreless in the fourth quarter of the second-ranked Hawkeyes loss at home, or I'm sorry, on the road uh, against Nebraska. Make sure I get my facts straight here. Uh, On the road at Nebraska, she scored 31. She's five points shy of the um, all-time scoring record single season uh, for women's college hoops. But at the same time, she did nothing in the fourth quarter. She missed the game-winning three. And I know people like to have it both ways and say, well, you can't criticize her. She's a, she's just a college athlete, and she does so much. You can't have it both ways. If you're going to be that player on that team and be the future face of women's college hoops, um, you know, somebody who's drawing comparisons to Stephen Curry for what she's done, you can't kind of just fall off in the uh, fourth quarter of a loss at Nebraska. Great win for the Huskers, but uh, a bad win for Iowa, who I believe dropped in the standings, uh, not the standings, but this week's uh, poll. So there is that to talk about as well. Um, I'll get to Stephen Curry tomorrow. We'll do leftovers on the show uh, tomorrow. We'll do the the usual leftover spot. Uh, Everything we didn't get to from the weekend, because what Stephen Curry did, uh, this weekend was, I mean, second to none <laughs> against the Phoenix Suns. There are some people that believe uh, the Warriors are starting to turn it around. I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, they still got a long way to go to to try and sort of right the ship in what has been a miserable season for them thus far. But they did go a ways to to doing that uh, with the win against Phoenix this weekend. We'll talk about that tomorrow uh, in odds. Uh, we'll talk about that tomorrow in leftovers uh, on the show. Um, last thing before we go. Baseball season, right around the corner. We are, we are on the precipice. 
pitchers and catchers starting to report. Um, I am hoping to go and make a trip down to spring training uh, in Arizona, and hopefully we'll be able to do some fun stuff from down there uh, later this month or early next month. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, as baseball is right around the corner, look outside wherever you are right now. Well, if you're watching during the day, uh, take a look outside. Before you know it, spring will be here, and we'll be on our way to the start of baseball season. I can't wait. Uh, looking forward to sharing all of that with you as we go throughout the season. That's going to wrap it up for us on this Monday edition of the show. Again, thank you to Russell Baxter for stopping by. Thank you to Sam Yarnell for hanging out with us as well. See what we have on the show tomorrow for Tuesday Leftovers. A lot of people still drying out from what was a wild and lengthy Super Bowl. If you haven't checked out the podcast version of the show yet, go and do it. If you can't watch us on TV, go and get the podcast vodcast version of the show. I'm Jason Page. We'll see you back here on Tuesday for more Sports Wrap. Bye.